morning. He is risen. Risen indeed. Millions of people will be saying that today in various languages right around the world to testify to the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah. Well, we'd like to welcome you to Boscombe Court today. And uh, for those who are listening on the Tate Ministry, a very happy Easter to you. We have visitors today leading our conference, our convention, uh, Commissioners Phil and Keitha Needham. Uh, the Commissioner is an author. He's one of the Army's topmost theologians. He was a former member of the International Doctrine Council. He's been the principal of the International College of Officers. And uh, currently he is a territorial commander for the United States Southern Territory. And apart from all that, he's a nice guy. <laughs> he's accompanied by his wife, Keitha, who uh, has a, a background of being a, uh, an opera singer and so on, and uh, she has uh, sung to us over this weekend, and we're very pleased that she's been able to come along with the Commissioner. You've already heard uh, the Pas Pasadena Tabernacle songsters, uh, as they've sung to us today, and they're very, very welcome, under the leadership of songster leader Martin Hunt, who has some sort of connection with Boscombe. I can't quite think what it is. Uh, but we're very, very pleased to see that his mum and dad are here, um, Majors Colin and Maureen Hunt. Good to have you. This is the conclusion of the Pasadena's tour of the UK, and they have been accompanied by their CEOs, and uh, their CEO has returned now to America in order to conduct their own Easter services, but he has uh, kindly left his wife, uh, Captain Shelley Hill, here, and I can't see where she is at the moment there. We're pleased to have her. Now, details of the rest of today's services are in your yellow news sheet, along with details of tomorrow's football match. Uh, just to remind you that we're marching in Pine Walk, down in the, the centre of uh, Bournemouth, at 3.15, and there will be an open-air meeting at 3.30 at the Pier Head in Bournemouth. That's the Bournemouth Pier, not the Boscombe Pier. Tonight's meeting is at 6 o'clock. Now, not in your newsletter but I'd like just to make a, a passing reference to the fact that it's a, a significant birthday day today for our core pianist, Diane uh, Meredith. Not this pianist, but uh, our core pianist. Um, far be it for me to say what number significance it is. I'm far too much of a gentleman, but we do wish Diane a very, very happy birthday today. Thank you. Good morning. Your Corps officer failed to mention one significant fact about my life, and his life, actually. We, Keitha and I and Peter, are members of one of the very best sessions ever to come through. Excuse me. The, the best. I was trying to be a little modest, Peter. A little modest. I'll make up for Okay, the best session ever to come through the then International Training College, the Evangelist Session. So it's nice to have that uh, reconnection as well. It's a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, this is the most significant day on the Christian calendar, really. This is, this is Resurrection Day. This is, uh, this is the event we celebrate that really made the church possible. This is the day that taught us and proved to us that what happened on Good Friday was not a defeat. It was a victory. Christ defeated the forces of Satan and the kingdom of sin from that cross. And we saw it 
become reality on Resurrection Day. And that's what we celebrate today. It's a joy to be with you for that celebration, and especially to be um, with uh, your wonderful musical sections and the Pasadena Tabernacle Songsters. Uh, we are not from California. We are from the, one of the other territories in the USA. But for three shining years, we did serve in California and got to know some of the folk who are in the, uh, the songsters. So it's a real joy to share this weekend with these wonderful people as well, but especially with you. We are the family of God. We are the people of God. We are the Easter people. This day defines who we are, and we're going to sing about that now. Song 143, I think we'll have it on the screen. Let me just say that the first three verses tell the story, what happened in the past, the glorious story. And then in that fourth verse, we make a statement of faith about today. Lives again our glorious King, where, O death, is now thy sting? Once he died our souls to save, where's thy victory, boasting grave? And then the verse about our identity as God's Easter people. Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head, made like him, like him we rise. Ours, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Let's sing together. The band's going to lead us in a very special arrangement.
O Lord, we are amazed, we stand amazed, and we thank you, we praise you, that through Christ, love's redeeming work is done. Through the power of Christ's resurrection, we can live as Easter people. We can live on the right side of Easter. Sunday has come. We don't have to stand helpless on the wrong side of Easter, groping in the dark, experiencing evil's tragic consequences, feeling our hopeless inadequacy in the face of the grim facts of sin and chaos. No, we can live like Easter people. Through Christ, we can experience God's righteousness and peace and joy and liberty and light. Today, may we each experience the risen Christ empowering our lives, recreating and freshening our relationships, giving clarity of vision and renewed power to our work and ministry. Continue to amaze us, Lord, in the strong name of Jesus, our risen Lord and coming King. Amen. We have a very enthusiastic group of young people here today, some of whom are even waving flags, and as I introduce them, they can come up now and sing uh, a beautiful song appropriately entitled, Risen. And don't they look beautiful? Wouldn't you love to give them a little encouragement as they come?
This is the time in our service where we focus specifically on children. So I'm wondering if all the children in the congregation who are 12 years and under could come and join me up front. I need your help with a few things. So you can go ahead and just have a seat on the floor, and we're going to have a little chat. Okay? Wow, there's a lot of you this morning. You look wonderful. Thank you for joining me. I need some help. I've been in your country for quite some time now, and I'm trying still to figure out your money. So, could you help me with a few things, because I don't really know what they're worth and what I can buy with them. So, here I have, what's, what's this one? <laughs> wow, maybe you're confused. <laughs> what is it? It's a pound coin. What could I buy with a pound coin? Not much, I take it. Sweets? A toy car? Something from the pound shop? We have a pound shop, too. It's called the 99-cent store at home. (laughs) There's lots of good things there. Okay, so I could maybe get some things with that. Maybe not too much, right? Okay. How about this one? What's this one? Two pounds. What could I get with two pounds? Two things from the nine from the pound shop. Anything else? Anything you what would you buy if you had two pounds in your pocket? I hear McDonald's Happy Meal. That's pretty good. Okay. What would you buy? Sweets. Sweets. We enjoy sweets too. Okay, how about this one? What's this one worth? Five pounds. Surely you can buy something more with this. What could you buy with a five pound note? An Easter egg. How many got Easter eggs this morning? Nobody. Okay, a few people. Good. I did. It was very nice. I enjoyed my sweets, too. Um, How about this one? Ten pounds. What can you buy with ten pounds? What would you buy if you had ten pounds in your pocket? (laughs) Ten things from the pound shop. Okay. Ice Age 2? Is that a movie? Okay, so maybe a movie. You could buy a movie. Okay. Good, all right. Well, you sort of know your money, and sounds like you know what you would buy if you had that money. How about, have anybody, has any of you seen an American dollar before? Yeah? No? Some of you? Some not. This is an American dollar. That's our money. It has the value of the dollar in the corners. And then in the middle, it has our first president. And that's worth about mm, something from the dollar store. <laughs> Uh, We could buy some sweets with that as well. But this happens to be a very special dollar. And sometimes the value of our money or something that we see can be deceiving. We see something and we think we know what it's worth, just like you know a pound is worth about a pound worth of candy, right, or sweets. But this particular dollar is much more valuable than that. My friend Steve is going to come and show us the hidden value of this dollar. Wow, that's amazing. What happened to it? What's different about it? Where's the picture of the president? It's gone. It's in the corners now. And where's the value of the money? (laughs) It's in the middle now. (laughs) Okay. And so how much do you think that's worth now? Because I bet there's not another dollar in the whole world that looks like that. 
hard to know what that might be worth, right? It might be worth thousands and millions of dollars because it's a collector's item, right? We don't know how much that's worth. Sometimes it's hard to tell the value of something just by looking at it. Over history, the value of Jesus' life has sometimes been confusing. If you think about it, just a week ago, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode into Jerusalem because they thought he was going to be their earthly king. And he rode in and he had a very royal entry. They put um, palm trees down in front of him and he rode in on a donkey and people took their coats off and laid it down in front of him. And they praised him and they shouted Hosanna to his name. They thought he was going to be an earthly king. And earthly kings are very valuable. They have a lot of money. But one week after that, which is something we just recognized a couple days ago, was um, Good Friday. And he was on a cross with criminals. So he, in a period of one week, went from being an earthly king, worth a lot of money and value to the people there. And in a week, he became the lowest of low. He was a criminal hung on a cross to die. And then, to make matters even more confusing, we talk about the gift of salvation as being free. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get something that's free, I sort of don't treat it as well because it's free. I didn't have to pay anything for it. It didn't cost me anything. So that could be a little confusing. Was he a king? Was he a criminal? Or was he sort of just not worth much because it was free, his death on the cross? Well, the truth is that Jesus really wasn't an earthly king. He wasn't a criminal, and his gift of salvation certainly was not free. Jesus' life, like our dollar, has amazing value that we can't put a price on. The truth is, is that he was the son of God. He was an earth, a heavenly king. And he came and died on the cross to pay the price for your sins so that you could have life. And we could celebrate God on this Easter morning because he rose again and brought us eternal life. How much is your life worth? Could anybody put a dollar amount on that? Would you trade your, your life for any dollar amount? No, it's priceless. We can't put a price on that. It's amazing what God did for us on the cross. He loved you so much that he died for you and gave you life. As you leave here, here this morning, go back to your seats, we're going to give each of you an American dollar so that you can remember this Easter Sunday morning and the value of what God did for you on the cross. It's priceless. So when you look at this dollar in your rooms, put it somewhere you can see it, my prayer is that will remind you of God's amazing love for each one of you. Thank you. Yes, please put it in dollars and pounds as we take up the offering, please. Thank you.
Shall we pray? Lord, we bring our tithes and offerings to you this Easter morning with thanksgiving. We're remembering again how much you have given to us all through Jesus. And by the giving of our money to support the work of this Christian centre and its outreach, we are also showing our love and loyalty to you. So please accept our gifts. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I know I express your sentiments when I say thank you to David Dunford for his gift of music this morning. Well, today is the greatest day of all, and because of it, every day is a great day. The YP band under Malcolm Randall will play It's a Great Day for Us.
Thank you so much, YP Band. That was wonderful. Walking in the light of God. Well, are you amazed of God's love for you today? I hope you know how much God loves you. Let's stand, and we're going to uh, sing, I am amazed when I think of God's love, so wonderful, matchless, and free. The words will appear. But Bandmaster, may I ask for an introduction? And of the tune, so that we can just familiarize ourselves, songsters, with the correct tune that we are going to sing today. Let us stand, please. introduce one of our songsters, Jeff Kernow, who's going to come now and share his testimony of what God is doing in his life. Good morning. I just joined the songsters about two years ago, and it was just about the same time we started planning this tour. (laughs) My first songster rehearsal, I met Barbara, (laughs) and about a year later, we were married about a year ago, but I think that just about everyone in this group was at the wedding. And most of them were in it. So, 
That was the first indication that I had of the type of family that I was joining when I joined the Songsters. For this past year, it has been Easter every Sunday at the Pasadena Tabernacle Corps. The Corps folk have been very gracious as we practiced our music on them and learned it. But I had no idea to expect while we were on this tour in, in the United Kingdom. I've been on probably 40 or 50 band trips, and so I thought it might be something like that. But I've been completely amazed at the difference in touring with this group and this family here. Barbara had tried to explain to me how different this would be, but I was totally unprepared for night after night of sold-out halls. You know, honestly, you know, we're just a core songster brigade. <laughs> so that really is our main focus. But I must tell you, I've been moved to tears many nights as I looked out into the congregation and saw the expectant faces looking back and the joy. And uh, I want you to know that if you see that in our faces, it's not something that we just put on. It really is because we believe what we sing. And I'm also amazed the fact that I've spent so much time with all these people here and there still really isn't anyone that I want to kill. So (laughs) I hope that they share the same sentiment. (laughs) Being in a group like this is just such a privilege. It's wonderful to have found such a caring family. But you don't have to be from Pasadena or from Boscombe or just be able to sing or play to be a member of this family. Location and talent have very little to do with this family. Membership in this family has everything to do with the miracle we celebrate today. Because Christ is risen, and through God's completely undeserved grace, I am no longer trapped in sin and loneliness. Because Christ Christ is risen, each of us can be part of his family. It really has been Easter Sunday all year long in Pasadena. But what better way could one who was once trapped in sin spend a year? Easter should not be a day or a weekend or a bank holiday. Easter is everything. This past year, thanks to you in Boscombe who have invited us, we have had the privilege of celebrating Easter every day. I have been, I've had the privilege of becoming connected with this family on the platform and through our tour, we've had such a privilege of becoming connected with the larger family of Christians that we met while we were traveling. I hope that you can take this Easter spirit with you and you too can have Easter every day. Thank you, Jeff. We can have Easter every day. Let's remind ourselves now of the Easter story by turning in our Bibles to Matthew, the 28th chapter, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 10 of Matthew 28 and then verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, and then 16 through 20. The Resurrection After the Sabbath, at the dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. 
for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Psalm 32 says, Count yourself blessed. How happy you must be. You get a fresh start. Your slate has been wiped clean. Count yourself blessed because God holds nothing against you and you are holding nothing back from him. Is that true this morning for you? Are you holding nothing back from the Lord? Our hearts are full of joy this morning as we celebrate the risen Christ. Let us hold nothing back from him as we praise and worship him this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing together. You'll find the words on the screen, but also they are on the back page of your bulletin if you would prefer. We're going to sing, He has risen, Jesus is alive. Please would you stand? But I got to say, looking at your faces, you don't look full of joy to me. So we're going to have another go at that. Everybody should be clapping. Everybody should be joyful because he has risen. Amen? Amen. Let's sing that again. Let's take it from the beginning. Everybody clap your hands. He has risen. Let's sing again.
what do you think? Don't sit down. <laughs> With God on our side like this, how can we lose? Do you think that anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins that are listed in Scripture. None of this phases us. You know why? Because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us. Amazing love. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Let's sing Amazing Love together. I'm forgiven.
pray together. Father God, we are just so joyful this morning. We're celebrating the risen Christ. And our hearts are just full. And we praise you and we thank you for the tremendous promises that we have, that we can claim as your chosen people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us. And thank you for your amazing love. In your precious name, amen. And now we invite you to continue to think about that amazing love. And in the stillness of this room, the stillness of this week, just reflect on who that God really is. Father, we come before you in the stillness of this hour. 
to know that you are God. You are the God who makes all things new. You are the God who raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. You are the God who gives us new life. The God who changes us. The God who makes us whole. So help us now to be still before you. To hear your voice. To sense your presence. And to leave this place a changed people. We pray this in the name of our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Jesus had died. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary had come to to pay their last respects and anoint the body with precious spices. There was so much hope for a new tomorrow. And now, only shattered dreams, only memories. This hope had been dismissed by the realists and ridiculed by power. This hope had been criminalized, condemned, and crucified. This hope had failed. Even Jesus' closest friends were calling it quits. Let's anoint his body one last time. The Marys wanted to say a final farewell to their Lord, to keep the memories of what could have been and now seemed forever lost, to say goodbye to hope. The tomb greets them in a most unsettling way. A violent earthquake. The stone rolled away. A rather imposing angelic figure sitting on it. Guards cowering. What is this all about? What happens now? Calm down. Be at peace, says the angel. Uh, Angels almost always say something like this when they appear. Uh, to help us get over the shock, I guess. I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. Isn't here? Come into the tomb. Come see for yourself. Who took him? The Father did. Where is he? That is the question you will be pursuing for the rest of your life. But for the time being, go quickly and tell his disciples. Tell them your Lord has risen from the dead. Tell them to get ready to see him.
And so begins the search of a lifetime for the Easter people. The Easter people, those whose lives have been forever changed by the Jesus who lives. The Easter people, those who find Jesus in new places as they journey from day to day. The Easter people, those with eyes to see a resurrected Lord, ears to hear his voice, and hearts to resonate more and more with his own heart. The text invites you and me, folks, to be Easter people. It invites us to open our eyes and ears and hearts to the exploratory journey of a lifetime. It invites us to ask what those early disciples asked. Where now shall we find our living Lord? Well, where did they find him? They found him in the place of change. The place of change. The resurrection of Jesus brought a total new beginning. Everything was now going to be different for his disciples. Radical change would be called for. That may explain both the, uh, the note of intense joy as well as the presence of fear that we observe here now as the disciples try to come to terms with it all. When you and I are faced with a new beginning, an invitation to have our own lives changed, we also, I think, are usually torn between fear and excitement. We're attracted by the promise of a new level of living, a path of deeper fulfillment, a pilgrimage with a worthier goal. But at the same time, we fear change. We shirk in the face of having to to alter our way of life in certain ways. Or we doubt our resolve to carry out the change day by day. Or we cower to the threat of facing greater challenges, traveling through what may be uncharted territory. The threat of change keeps many people from the kingdom of God. The sinner hears the gospel invitation. He knows that it is for him and that it speaks to the very purpose for which he was created. But he can't bear the thought of making a radical change. There is a certain security in not changing, in staying as you are, even if you're miserable. If you don't believe that, then tell me why so many people willfully live in misery. They embrace their unhappiness. They enjoy their wretchedness. They talk about it. They center their lives around it. Anything to keep from changing and becoming whole. 
They'd rather be secure in their misery than risk the kind of change that brings real, deep happiness. The disciples found their resurrected Lord in the place of change. In their acceptance of the threat of new beginnings, they came out from behind closed doors. They ceased huddling together in fear. They changed from timid, confused, vacillating followers to courageous, confident, committed leaders who took on the world and risked persecution and death in the name of their resurrected Lord. They were changed men and women. Are you looking for the risen Christ? You'll find him only if you let him come and change you. We must find the risen Lord where those first disciples found him, in the place of change. What will that mean for you? What will that mean for you? They also found their risen Lord in the place of communion. I consider it to be no coincidence that apart from uh, his immediate appearances in the area of the tomb, all the recorded appearances of the risen Christ till his ascension were to a group of disciples. A group. Well, had he not come to reconcile us to God and to one another? Had he not at the Last Supper with his twelve disciples previewed a totally new fellowship, united together in his death? Had he not also come to destroy what Paul called the dividing wall of hostility and create a new fellowship to make one where before there had been two? Had he not come to bring us back together as sin had divided us? I believe we ignore this reconciling work of Christ. We ignore the reconciled fellowship and how essential it is to us at our peril. It is impossible to over-personalize our faith. But it is possible, it is possible to over-individualize it. The women at the tomb were told to share the news with the others. Tell his disciples, said the angel. The last words of the risen Christ recorded by Matthew are, Lo, I am with you. Plural, you. You, the fellowship. I am with you always. He was speaking to the disciples as a group. He wasn't speaking to isolated individuals. In one of the recorded appearances in John's Gospel, the risen Christ does single Peter out of the group. But the message which Christ spoke to him was the challenge to minister to the fellowship. Feed my lambs. 
the risen Christ will not make himself known where we don't care about one another. Where there is no driving desire to be at peace with one another. Where there is no willingness to minister to one another. Christ came preaching a kingdom. A kingdom of the heart to be sure. But in the time of its full realization, a kingdom of people united in love for God and in love for one another. Surely... Surely the church must be a community which demonstrates this coming kingdom of love in its life together. One of the common comments made about the early church was, see how those Christians love one another. The early disciples found their risen Lord in their communion with one another. They prayed and they worshiped together. They shared the common meal together. They ministered to one another. They made important decisions together. They also opened up their fellowship to the stranger. It was not a club of the like-minded. It was a family with, with multiple entry points and a place for everyone. They made changes over and over again, and sometimes very painfully. Why? To be more inclusive. The risen Lord invites us to leave behind the deadliness of a closed, clubby Christianity. To break down the walls. as our salvationist forebears did so brilliantly, and to become the most welcoming family on this planet Earth. That's the kind of community we'll find our risen Lord in. And that's the kind of community he calls you and me to be. We find the risen Lord in our core, when we connect and care and include. We find him in our fellowship. We also find him in the place of command. There can be no question about the intent of the scriptural witness. There is in Christ comes to his disciples with a command. And that command, as we read is to go and make disciples of all nations. In his appearance to the women on the way back from the tomb, he commands them to tell the brethren to go to Galilee, to Galilee, where they will see him. And later, when they see him there, they hear the command which was to become the mission statement of the church. Go Go and make disciples of all nations. The appearance recorded at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles serves as a thematic introduction to the great mission that unfolds in that glorious history of the early church. Jesus says to his disciples, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, 
then on to Samaria, and then on to the ends of the earth. Yes, our risen Lord came with comfort for our grief. He came with hope for our despair, courage for our fear, a new beginning for our life of failure. Yes, he called us to a new way of relating to one another, a new fellowship, an open, an open inviting family. But he also came with the command. To those to whom he appeared, he also commissioned as his mission people. And he sent them out to a life of joyful service. We cannot, with any honesty, avoid what this says to us. The risen Christ appears to those who will obey him and faithfully carry out his mission in the world. Albert Schweitzer put it in an interesting way. He comes to us as one unknown. As of old by the lakeside, he came to those who knew him not. He speaks to us the same word. Follow thou me. And sets us to the tasks which he has to fulfill for our time. He commands. And to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in the toils, the conflicts, the sufferings which they shall pass through in his fellowship. And as an ineffable mystery, they shall learn in their own experience who he is. Want to find Jesus? Want to know who he is? You can read about him, learn all the facts about him, but unless you're willing to let him change you, you'll not be really ready to know him. Want to know Jesus? Open yourself to let him change you. Want to know Jesus? You'll find him in each other. We together are the body of Christ. That, that's actually what core means, body, literally. Together, together we make up Christ. We find Jesus in each other. We find him in the fellowship of his followers as we journey together. We find him in each other. Want to know Jesus? We'll find him out there on the battlefield. You'll find him pouring out his life and his love for a lost world. You'll find him when you join him there, when you allow him to live his life and carry out his mission through you. If you're like me, you've wasted some of your time looking for Jesus in the wrong places. Perhaps there's someone here just now, this Easter day, it's ready to let him be your change agent. Perhaps there's someone here ready 
to say goodbye to your very private, enclosed Christianity and let other Christians help you discover who you are in Christ. Or perhaps you're ready now to take your mission field seriously, whatever it may be, and find out the rest of who you are in Christ. Or perhaps you simply want to say this morning, my risen Lord, I want to know you. I want to love you more. I want to affirm what happened on that first Good Friday and that first Easter day, how it has changed my life completely. And I now give myself to you afresh. Lord, I'm yours. I'm your Easter person. Would you like to say that this morning? Would you like to say that? A lovely card has been provided here at the mercy seat. And it says, amazing love. My debt he pays. My death he dies. That I, that I might live. And I invite you to come. Perhaps you're not able to kneel. But to receive one of these cards. And there's a place for you to sign it whether you sign it here or take it back to your seat. I invite you to come here and pray just now and make that affirmation in your own life. Jeff Kernow said every Sunday for him is now Easter Sunday. Really, every day is Easter Day because we live our lives now in the light of his resurrection and what that has done to change everything. And so I'd like us at this point in our service, very important time as we ourselves respond to all we have heard, what the scriptures have said to us, what the music has said to us. Every day is Easter day. I'd like us to sing, Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. And Lord, I've come to know the weakness I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Hold me close. Let your love surround me. Bring me near. Draw me to your side. And as I wait, I'll rise up like the eagle and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of of your love. And I just invite you to come and stand here. I think many of God's people will want to do that or kneel here and take one of these cards and Julie has some extra copies if we if we run out here. This is an important time. What better day than Easter day to make this kind of affirmation? In a very real sense, this is the beginning of our year. This is the beginning of our year. This is when we celebrate the new life in Christ. So do that as we sing together. And please come and make your commitment renewed on this hour.
hope some will feel they want to come here and make that public statement of faith and affirmation and say to the Lord, keep changing me, Lord. Lord, keep helping me to find myself in the other person and let them find themselves, the Christ in me. And Lord, help me to find my mission field. Help me to let Christ work through me where I live, work, where I give my witness. Make that affirmation. These cards are here. I invite you to use them if you feel it would be helpful. Lord, unveil my continue in prayer, I'm going to ask the Tab songsters if they'll sing in this quiet moment, just to help us reflect on what's transpired during this service and what it means for us personally. And as they sing, again, we give opportunity to come and make that reaffirmation of what's important in your life because you serve a resurrected Lord and to open yourself to what new thing he may want to do through you.
perhaps you'd like to sing along with the songsters in this quiet moment, in this quiet moment, make a better me. The words you'll find before you. And sing it as your own very personal prayer. continue in prayer as the piano plays. Hear the voice of the Spirit as he speaks to you. Father, make, thank you for making it possible for us to be your Easter people. And now as we conclude this service with praise, and thanksgiving, and adoration, may we then go from this place prepared to be your Easter people with the credibility of our living, with the overflow of your love in our lives, and with our commitment to your compassionate mission in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amazing love, my debt he pays, my death he dies, that I might live. Amazing love. And we leave here this morning on this beautiful Easter day through the power of Jesus Christ, empowering each one of us to live as Easter people. And we will sing that wonderful song of the church, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Let us all rise. We will be led by the band to sing of our own beautiful Lord Jesus Christ, our risen Savior.
May the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands lead you in his service. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart be your love forever. And may you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet. And may everyone you meet see the face of Christ. Amen.